0: Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled Love the Sinner with a question mark. Should we love the sinner? I'd like to start off sharing a story that was printed last week and I thought it's certainly divine providence. The story is called Exaggerated Love. Exaggerated Love. So the story takes place in Paris, 1971, there's a rabbinical student standing on a corner when he stops a fellow named Joseph Shukroon, who at the time was a young engineer.
1: Tell me again, he stops the fellow who what?
0: A fellow on the street, he says, do you want to put on tefillin? The man, Joseph, he doesn't know anything about Judaism, 1971, Paris, but he agrees. He puts on tefillin. Good evening. And that is his first connection to Judaism.
1: The yeshiva student
0: probably had him boxed in. (laughs) He knew he was a Jew. He knew he was a Jew. Slowly, he thought more about that question, are you Jewish? Kind of quite a powerful question. And he wanted to learn a little more. So he went to the yeshiva in Brnois, France. And... He ended up learning there for eight months. And at the end of the eight months, he had heard about the Rebbe. And he decided he's going to go to Brooklyn and have an audience with the Rebbe. And he does so. And you know, he heard the custom, when you go to the Rebbe, you should write a letter with your questions. The Rebbe will, will read a letter and respond. And that's what happened. In this particular circumstance, Joseph himself read the questions to the Rebbe, from his paper, and the Rebbe answered them. And then, the next part I'm going to read out loud. Then Joseph said, I have heard a lot about you over the past eight months, and in my estimation, the Jews of Paris have an exaggerated love for you. They're talking, it's too much, they're talking too much about you. This is in the letter. So now he's saying orally. He, he's done with his letter. And now in front of the Rebbe, he says, I believe that the Jews of Paris have an exaggerated love for you. So the Rebbe smiles and he answers, What can I do? I myself have an exaggerated love for every single Jew.
2: Uh,
0: nice. That's the, that's the end of the story. I mean, the end of the story is that today he's known as Yosef and he has a... He has a He eventually married and built a beautiful Jewish family and became involved in sharing the Rebbe's love and wisdom with more Jews in Paris. But the story was very powerful. His question to the Rebbe is that I believe people have an exaggerated love for you and the Rebbe's response, which really should be our response, is that I have an exaggerated love for every Jew. Very powerful. This leads me to a video I was sent yesterday Someone sharing a thought on last week's Torah portion, and again, it ties in exactly what we're saying. So, I'm going to share. The truth is, my father shared it with me, and he said he thinks I need to share it tonight. Mm-hmm. Last week, the last portion of the Torah was sharing how there's God passed over the firstborn Jews, and they didn't die, and therefore, the firstborn in a family belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Those. I'm going to read you the literal translation of the verse And then I'll tell you a little, perhaps a much deeper meaning But literally read the verse says <laughs> the, Lord tells God, the Lord tells Moshe Kadesh means holy Sanctified to me kol bichar, Every firstborn Peter, kol rechem, the, the child who opens the womb bivne Yisrael, Amongst the Jewish people This is not only the firstborn of a human. Adam of Abahema, whether it's a human, whether it's an animal, the firstborn belongs to me.
2: Is that firstborn male or firstborn human?
0: Very good question. Very good question. In In the Torah, we learn that the command that the firstborn belongs to God is about a male. Yeah. Um... And, but the verse concludes, Li Hu belongs to me. The first child of a, both a human and an animal belonged to me. And
2: was it a male animal as well? Or yes, was yes. So it's always
0: a male. Yes. And just to be clear, I think it's a sign of respect for a woman. It, and It's not a matter of disrespect. Torah says a lot, a lot of times that, that the beauty of a woman is internal And it's not, a, it's not appropriate to just uh, Perhaps it wouldn't be appropriate to start saying Oh, this woman belongs to this coin The whole context doesn't make so much sense So it's out of respect, not of disrespect So, the, so let's now translate this verse on a much deeper level moshe God tells Moshe Kaddash Kadish means holy The holiest thing to me Kol bechor bechor is the firstborn The holiest thing And the first item on my mind God is telling Moshe The holiest thing to me And the first item on my mind is Peter Peter means opening And this is, now we're going to change the next word. What's against? Where where we're holding so far is the holiest thing to me, Kaddishli, and Kol Bechor, the holiest and the first thing on my mind is Peter Kol Rechem. Literally translated means the opening of the womb. but Rechem could mean womb, but we're going to translate it now. Rechem could also mean Rachamanos, mercy. So the holiest thing to me the first thing on my mind, God tells Moshe, is the opening of mercy. Let's always be compassionate, and not only be compassionate to a human; be even compassionate to the animal. The verse continues, "Bivnei Yisrael baadam, whether it's an animal, whether it's a human, uva behema, whether it's an animal." So Hashem is telling Moshe the the, great, the holiest thing to me. The first thing on my mind is to always open with pity, open with mercy. Whether human, whether animal. So you may come and ask, maybe this person doesn't deserve it. Maybe this animal doesn't deserve it. So the passage concludes, Li who? Li means to me. God says, leave it to me. I'll worry about who needs compassion and who doesn't. You'll be compassionate to them. You understand, you don't understand. Leave that to me. Just a fascinating insight on the verse. Okay, let's, let's kind of bring ourselves back into the Tanya. To bring ourselves into the Tanya, I need to read to you another verse.
1: If I may it'll be allowed a very quick observation, women are also given a honorific of Behora, the oldest woman.
0: The, the verse says in Exodus 23:5. Literal translation, problematic verse. The pasuk says, "Kisire chamar When you see the donkey of your enemy, when you see the donkey, the donkey of your enemy, rovates tachas It's it's collapsing under its burden. You see a donkey that has a big bird that has a big load on it, and it's collapsing. And this donkey belongs to your enemy. Says the Torah. (coughs) Are you going to forsake? Are you going to run away from that issue? Help him out. So the verse says, if you see an enemy, an enemy's donkey, you need a help. Unload the donkey. From here we learn how literally you need a help. According to some opinions, this may even be a commandment that if you have the ability to help a car that's stuck on the side of the road, you should help. But I don't want to go into that halach. I want to talk about a simple question. A question that the commentators struggle. The Torah teaches you need to love every Jew. And yet, the Torah itself is saying that you have an enemy, and your enemy has a donkey, help out that donkey. How could you have an enemy? How does the Torah even allow you to have an enemy? The Torah is saying, the enemy that has a donkey, help out his... But how do you have an enemy? Well,
3: I'm, not so not sure that,
0: not I'm not sure that... I'm not sure the Torah is... Uh, so it says, just just to answer, if it's, if it's talking about someone not Jewish, the Pasuk is clearly talking about a Jew here. I appreciate that, that question, but it's clearly talking about a Jew.
3: Maybe it's not saying that it, it's okay, but maybe it's saying you're just recognizing reality. But, I mean...
1: Can you clarify what you mean by reality? I'm not sure.
3: The it, it's it's not uh, it's, it's not making a prescription. It's just saying this is what we observe that people have enemies or people that they're not friendly with. So it's saying this is the way the world is. It's not saying this is the way the world should be. But they're saying this is the way.
0: The world exists. Dr. Maliff has a good, good point. Perhaps the Torah is saying some people may not like others.
2: It also says <clears throat> love thy enemy. And so if it says love all Jews, love thy enemy and help the donkey under your enemy, none of that is contradicting in, in, in itself.
4: Also, it doesn't go into the nature of the relationship. It may be someone who wishes ill upon you mm-hmm. whose donkey has
0: suffered. So, so let friend. me clarify something kind of a rule in the Torah. The Torah doesn't say a word not necessary. Mm-hmm. If the Torah's message is that you need to help every person mm-hmm. that has a donkey about to collapse, so just say that. Say, when you see a donkey about to collapse, you need to help. And we'll know that it refers to everyone because you're not allowed to hate somebody. You hate them, that's your fault. We you still need to help them. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Torah is saying something novel, you see someone that you hate, and that means the Torah is actually acknowledging that truly you're, you're allowed to hate this person, and still the Torah is saying even though you're allowed to help, hate them, you need to, you need to help them. The Torah is saying something really deep here. You're allowed to hate somebody and still I'm telling you, you need to help them. But here we can draw
1: a very important inference and that is, and I say this facetiously but seriously, you're addressing the condition and you're helping the donkey. And we're not supposed
0: to abuse it. If that that was the story, that's what I mentioned before. If all the Torah wanted to say is that you need to help a donkey even if you don't like that person, the Torah doesn't need to say that explicitly. By the Torah saying, you need to help every donkey that's about to collapse, it's clear that it's also referring to a friend and someone you don't like. The Torah doesn't need to say, help the donkey of your enemy. Mm-hmm. That's clear. It's,
2: mm-hmm. the, I, yeah? I mean, I, My question is, why would it say that we have enemies if,
0: Ah, that's exactly the question. Mm-hmm. How can the Torah be saying that you have an enemy? Right. So this is not my question. This is a question that's asked by the Gemara and Pesachim Kufi at Gimel Beis. The Gemara itself asks a question. But instead of sharing with you the Gemara, I actually thought I'll just share with you um, one of the commentators in Shulchan Aruch, a practical law. Here's the law. The law says like this. Hasoneha mur Torah Lomeakumhu. So firstly, the this we're now learning the Arachah Shochan, which was written in the 1800s was and It was written
1: the, by the Alter Rebbe,
0: wasn't it? No, the Arachah Shokhan was written by a man named Rabbi Epstein. I beg your pardon, I got the wrong no Arachah The first thing he says is don't translate that the Torah is telling you that it, we're referring to hating a non-Jewish person. No. We're not saying mm-hmm. it's referring to a non-Jew. The Torah is saying, if you have an enemy and this is a Jewish friend. Mm-hmm. So begs the question, how could you hate?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How could you hate? The Torah says clearly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Torah says You can't hate your brother in your heart So the Gemara and Pesachim Answers What's the, what's the answer? The, the story is You are the only person who saw Yankel sin You are the only person who saw Yankel sin if there were two people that saw a person's sin so two people the Torah says is basically fact then you should go to Abedin testify before them and appropriate measures need to be taken here we're talking about somebody who has sinned and you're the only person who saw nabo you warned you warned that person you said don't do this and you said don't do it again Velo the person is still repeating this sin so in this scenario again where you're the only person who saw it happen and you warned the person until that person will repent it is actually a command to hate him. The may Rishaso and and return from his bad. Says the Torah even though he still has not repented if you find that he's very confused and his his donkey's out of control. Mitzvah liton—it's a command to assist him, helping his donkey.
1: Well, you still, even though you hate him.
0: Even though you hate him, you still need to assist him physically in his needs.
2: So, if your neighbor did something bad, but his house went on fire, you want to go help put the fire out even though he hasn't repented
0: yet. Is that a similar... You know, I, I skipped the end. Um, but let me let me share what it says. Shema ye mamono. If you're not going to assist him, he may wait around. V'yavoli And God forbid he could come into a very dangerous circumstance. Perhaps what it's referring to here is unfortunately back then the roads weren't safe Mm. and if the person is not going to have a donkey he's going to wait around God forbid he could physically get very harmed Mm. and the Torah says that a person's soul whether wicked whether righteous um, because they all belong to God we we don't want people to be killed Mm. so therefore you should assist him so if, if you see something's on fire, absolutely you need to have sins.
2: Am I concluding correctly that um, enemies, the definition of an enemy is someone that has sinned and has not repented? And we've observed that sin?
0: Someone that sinned and has not repented, the Gemara says you should hate them. Yes. Now we're going to discuss this halacha tonight. We're going to discuss what this practically means. But this is where we're up to right now. Can you hate the sin but not the sinner? Mm. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what the Tanya says. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> don't jump ahead. <laughs> you're going you're
0: going you're gonna finish my class. We'll be done now. <laughs> Put me out of business. The.
2: What about somebody who does you know, like false repentance? Who does what? Like they say they're sorry, but they're not. Cool.
0: There's a full chapter in the Torah that discusses what it means to repent and how we. I think we had that chapter. No, no, we did, We discussed how to forgive somebody. That was around Yom Kippur. There's a whole another chapter in the Torah that discusses. How we know if someone's repentance is real. It's a very important chapter. I'll give you an example.
2: What chapter number is
0: that? This would not be in your typical translated Shulchan Aruch. This is more in something that you learn in judicial law and in the Torah. It would be in Choshen and Mishbat, in the fourth section of the Shulchan Aruch.
1: It would also be in false swearing in the Talmud,
0: wouldn't it? You'd also find it in the Talmud, yes, absolutely. But how does this come up, this whole conversation? There are certain things that if someone sinned, we don't let them do, not, you're not allowed to do them. For example, to be a witness, if someone has sinned, so then there's many things they can't be a witness for, but we're not going to tell someone you're doomed for life because you've sinned, we want to allow a person to come back on track. So the Torah the Torah does instate different methods. For example, one of them is if someone is put in the same test in a similar circumstance, you know, once or, or more times and they don't do what they did the previous time, that would be one method um, of how they could prove. So there is a section that discusses your question, but we're not going to address it now.
2: Okay. Can I get an idea how far how far down the road till we discuss it? Because I'm very interested in that. We so. could make a separate
0: class. No, no, it's not in Tanya, sorry. Oh, okay. It's, it's in the code of Jewish law. I'm happy to talk about that another time. But it's not, right now it's not in our Tanya track. But there may be another class or
2: something yes, yes. on that subject. That would sure. be a good class.
0: Okay, I'm happy to do that. Chapter 32, page we're on page 146. Bottom paragraph, chapter 32, page 146, bottom paragraph. The Tanya just concluded that Bar God says I'm, I'm, that if you want my blessing, you need to be united. We have to love every Jew. But, but we can't," says continues Tanya. Again, we're on page 146. As for the Talmudic statement. As for, do we have that page? we have asked for the Talmudic statement to the effect that one who sees his friend sinning should hate him and should tell his teacher to hate him also so wait clearly there is there is some people that you need to hate so Tanya continues and says everything in Torah is prescribed yes there are people you need to hate but you need to hate them on three conditions I, we, we've discussed this previously, but there's something called a Tinok Shenishpa Bein Ha'umos. Let's see if we could translate that as a class. So, Tinok is a baby. A baby. Shenishpa means captured. Bein Ha'umos, uh, the, the other nations. amongst the nations. For example, the practical example is given in the times of the uh, Inquisition. Let's say if a child grew up as a Christian and he believed he was a Christian, so he's done a lot of sins. He may have, you know, not kept Shabbos, not kept, kept kosher. He doesn't know he's Jewish. So every day he's committing a lot of sins. But we don't call that person a sinner. And uh, that's called a tinoch Shinishba. A, a child that's been captured. We recognize where they're coming from. After the Holocaust, um, the, the, the halacha has been that for many people today that are unfamiliar, or even they're familiar, but they weren't brought up in this environment. So we recognize, um, the Torah recognizes their situation, and we appreciate them for who they are. We don't say that they're a sinner who we need to hate. So the Torah defines who, when you need to hate somebody. And here are here the three details that we're going to give. Number one is, have you done your part? Have you properly rebuked them? We always know if, you, if you're in a, any position of leadership, you can't blame the person under you if you've never communicated the issue. So don't go and hate somebody and say you're a sinner if you've never had an honest and heart-to-heart conversation. I say heart-to-heart here because we actually learn in Hasidus. If you had a heart-to-heart conversation with somebody and, you, and they haven't changed their ways, it's your fault. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: If you're really going to honestly care about somebody, if I love Chaim, and out of my love I'm rebuking him because I want to bring him closer to God, so if he feels my love, he'll probably stop sinning. So number one is, before you hate somebody, have you done your part? That's step number one. Step number two is, not only have you done your part, is he familiar with the Torah? And, and does he observe the mitzvahs? If we're talking about someone that, ha- that is familiar with the Torah con- and, and performs mitzvahs and you've rebuked him and in a certain area he still sins then you should hate him. That's going to be our first clarification for the night. First, we're first going to work on to limit the scope of when we said you should hate somebody, it's going to be in a scenario where you're, he's a friend of yours, meaning he's familiar with the Torah and mitzvot, and you've rebuked him appropriately. Let's see that inside. This applies when should you hate somebody, top line, to a companion in Torah and precepts, a companion in Torah and mitzvot, that means he's chavero Torah and mitzvot, Have and in addition to that, third of all, he's your, number one, your companion in the Torah but not only does he know the Torah he actually prefer, forms the mitzvot number two and third of all having already applied to him the injunction you shall repeatedly rebuke your friend meaning he who is with you in Torah and precepts and who nevertheless after you've told him off has not, rep- has not repented of his sin has stated in Sefer Charedim he you should hate so okay we've already limited the scope Yes, the Gemara says that there are people you need to hate if you're the only person who saw them sin but we've limited it to someone that's familiar with the Torah familiar with, that performs mitzvot and you've you've rebuked him appropriately Someone who is not your friend in, who is not familiar with the Torah is not your friend in Torah is, has, is not in the performance of mitzvot and you've not rebuked appropriately we're actually going to continue now you need to love him more than anyone else you have to love that person Who is sinning More than Everyone around the table Quite a, a novel idea Why? Are we familiar with Hillel? Hillel said We spoke about a story of his last week He said he was the person who The man tried to Get mad for the 400 Zuz And the same person who told Who said the golden rule What you hate, hey, don't, do, don't do unto others but Hillel also said in Pirkei Avos, avos Ethics of our fathers, "Heve mitalmidav shel Aharon akohin. Be a, a, a disciple of Aharon, the brother of Moshe. What was unique about Aharon? Aharon was Ohev Shalom. He loved peace. Virodeif Shalom, he pursued peace. Oheves Ohev Habrios. he loved all of creation with Karvan la-Torah, brought him close to Torah. What's the story? the story is when people would have fights this is going into during the time of the Jewish people in the desert when there were Jewish people fighting now you want to say there were no Jewish people fighting back in the desert they were holy unfortunately we know there were fights we know the people people who tried to keep the man Uh, over the time that Moshe said we know the people that went ahead and wanted to go to Israel although they were told not to unfortunately we're familiar there were fights so what would Aharon do that Gemara shares he was he would lie and actually this is an interesting rule what was his lie David I'm going to use David and and Yeshua because both of them never got into a fight so as, as an example I think it would be appropriate to use the two of them David and Yeshua got in, We're going to pretend they got into this big, nasty fight. So Aharon, he would go over to David and he'd say, David, I just spoke to Yeshua and he's fully apologetic. He's just uncomfortable telling you personally. He really wants to be your best friend. Could, could we make things work? And then he would go to Yeshua and say, Yeshua, I just spoke to David. Now, this didn't really happen. He would go, I just spoke to David and David, he, he's he doesn't even understand, he, he really wants to be your best friend and both of them would be happy to hear that their egos were now calmed down, the other person had, had wanted and he would become, he was able to bring friendships back together. Similarly, we learned this about um, about couples that were having challenges, husband and wife, he was able to bring them back together in this manner. Let me finish the statement and then I'll take both questions. So Hillel says, we need to be like Aharon. We have to, oh shalom, love peace. Number one is we have, to, we have to really care about someone else and want to bring them back together. That's step number one. But Hillel continues and he says, Aharon didn't only love peace, he pursued peace. He pursued, he ran after peace. Here we're learning that someone that's having a challenging time, going, go, talking about this person who's sinning, we're actually learning from Hillel, who said about Avra, ah, we actually have to run after those people more than anyone else. If you love them, and you care about them, then they are going to be someone that you're really going to want to try and bring back, bring closer. And Hillel went so far to say, <coughs> did it, Hillel said you need to love a human. He, he didn't say you need to love an Adam. In describing a, a, a person, there's many names. There's Adam, Ish, Gever. Hillel didn't say any of these words. He said, Hillel said you need to love Brios. Oheves HaBrios, the creations. Even the lowest of men, who the only specialty of them is that they're a creation of God. You need to love them. So you need a Ohev Shalom love peace. You need a rode Shalom run after peace. Oh Ets love everyone, even if their only quality is that they're a, a human being. And finally, umikarvan la Torah, Torah bring them close to the Torah. Yes, David.
1: Meaning no, no disrespect, but I read this interpretation of yes. that particular part that the. Ideal example of Aaron was that he did not denounce the golden calf because he loved the people who were committing the sin and thought that he could exercise influence in bringing them back.
0: That's an interesting insight that he didn't. He didn't denounce them because he loved them.
1: He didn't. He didn't agree with it, but right. he thought if if I stand up, I'm not going to be able to inveigle in and. Thank you. Pull back.
0: <clears throat> yes.
2: That story before, but I guess my question is, maybe chuckle a little. I have two sisters. Is it appropriate to say one is sorry to the
0: other? I mean, if, if you're asking a practical question, let's talk about it privately. I oh, I'm happy okay, to talk okay. about it privately okay. because I, I I can't without knowing the details. Yeah, but um, mm-hmm. and, and there are there are details about this specific law itself. Mm-hmm. We're not saying you should go around this. What, yes. But as a whole, as a whole, this is a good method of, 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 dealing, with, of dealing with things, or even the story of basically trying to get both sides together. Um, yes.
2: What is hating? I mean, what, how, what, is, what is the, the visual of
0: hating? You're saying what should you do about hating somebody? Well,
2: what do is, what is, what they mean by the word hate?
0: You're saying previously, in Tanya, when we said you should hate somebody,
2: mm-hmm.
0: let's let's hold up. We're gonna we're gonna get to it, in Tanya. Good question. Yeah. What, is that, what is that about? Continues, at Tanya, page one forty-eight, second column. But as for the person who is not one's colleague, someone who does not is not familiar with the Torah, does not perform mitzvahs, and is not on intimate terms with him. Hillel the elder said, so you need to be of the disciple of Aaron, loving peace, not only loving peace, but pursuing peace. And not only between two special human beings, but even loving the creatures. Someone that his only quality is that he's a creature. That his only quality is that God created him, even he who need a love, and draw them near to the Torah. This means, that even in the case of those who are removed from God's Torah and his service, and are therefore classified simply as creatures, one must attract them with strong cords of love Perchance, one might succeed in drawing them near to the Torah and divine service. Here the Tanya is answering a question. Hillel said you need a love piece, pursue piece. love creatures, and bring them to the Torah. Does that mean our whole objective is to bring them to the Torah? And if you have not brought them to the Torah, you have failed? Says the Tanya no. Our goal is obviously we want to bring them closer to God. But Hani said clearly, even if one fails, the next line is very important, even if one fails, that means you have not brought them closer to the Torah, one has not forfeited the merit of the precept of neighborly love. Let's not forget about love. <coughs> love your fellow. Just loving them, appreciating them, allowing them to know there's someone they could call when an issue comes up. That is a big, big mitzvah. It would, it's a plus if we could bring them closer to God. But just the love itself is a big mitzvah. So from Hillel we learn we need to love. We need to run after the love. We have to love anyone, regardless of who they are. The very fact that they're God's creation. And we would love to be able to bring them closer to God. But that's not a prerequisite at all for this conversation. Are there any questions at this point?
2: When they say enemy, are they literally saying... Is that equated with hate? You hate somebody, or is their definition of an enemy something different?
0: What does it mean, what does it mean to be an enemy, you're saying?
2: Mm -hmm. (coughs) What does the
0: Torah want you to do to your enemy?
2: What is the definition of an enemy as opposed to hating somebody?
0: Right. you know I appreciate that. You've just brought something out. The Torah doesn't use the word, and, and I, the, the verbiage actually could really throw things off. You're right. The Torah does not use the word enemy. That's a good point. The Torah says, some someone that you hate. The Torah says, when you see the donkey of the person that you hate. So I don't want to confuse the two. Mm-hmm. And the Torah is not giving you permission to, have, I think enemy is a very strong word that defines literally wanting to kill that person or something like that. That's not at all our conversation. This is someone that you hate. Okay. It's, it's, yes, I'm gonna. Can I jump in
1: here Yes. Real quick? Um, a Jewish scholar recently completed, after I think it was 16 years, a retranslation no, of the I Bible that. Yeah, using- Oh, 25
0: years how long was it 25
1: 25 years I finally completed the translation corrected the English based upon Hebrew tightened the structure since Hebrew uh, says things in a much more compact way than the English throughout the Christological references
2: <coughs> they came
1: up with something which is more true much more well, more accurate to uh, Jewish intent and I don't know what it costs I'm going to find out and get one but I think it's something that we would do well to acquire. And the reason why I make this point in regard to the English is that uh, all too frequently, because it's a part of our cultural background, whether we're Jewish or not, is to use more often than not a Christian translation or one by the Jewish Publication Society based upon um, what's the organization that guarded the text of the Torah? Can't think of it. Masoretic text. And that's certainly better. But I suspect that this is going to do us well, this translation, us meaning collectively, the Jewish people, than the uh, translations which are all too often based upon non-Jewish sources. So why am I bringing this up now? That we have to be very careful about words which we assume to be correct, but in fact are from Gentile scholars and don't get the essence.
0: No, no, that was just my mistake. No. I wanna be clear, the, the, the wording is hate.
2: I, I would love to also buy, I don't care how much it costs, but I would also like to know what
3: the version is. I'll have to get the bibliographical reference. Or she had a question? Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a very important point. You, somebody that you hate is not the same as your enemy. Somebody could be your enemy, too, and, and you not necessarily hate them. I mean, for example, on the, on the battlefield, the guy on the other side is shooting at you. You're shooting at him. He's trying to kill you. You're trying to kill him. You don't have any particular feelings about him one way or the other. Right. It's, it's just it's how it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, the point about Aaron, I think, is, is really important. I I remember hearing the story about you know Aaron. His his great merit was being a peacemaker, and his 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 feeling was that maybe he was too. But I think that's when Hillel says, um, I take that as it's already understood that we should be, it's already understood that we, that we should be students of the law, also be students of, of Aaron, but not without them. Because if you have the good intentions, but you don't have the law, it's, God forbid, It is very easy to make a mistake and make a misguided, make a misguided choice and have, 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 the, have the bad consequences. And that's why it's important to study the law in its particulars as well as have the, the, good, the good intentions.
0: Interesting. You're saying this is on top of everything. This needs, we always need to be able to love everyone. Yeah. Thank you. I think you're pointing that out.
4: I'm wondering, are the definitions of love and hate here really in talking about the relationship of one individual to another in the spectrum of Rasha, Bainini, and Tzaddik? In other words, if you are a person observing somebody who, who is exhibiting the behavior of a Rasha and is making no, no attempt to, uh, to address that despite being shown the way and the opportunity then, then that's what that that's what hate is, and and love is the desire to enable all people to uh, have teshuva, and that if you if if you have the opportunity to do that, you you know you should that's what you should endeavor to do. So. You know, in a sense, by saying like the tenet of Chabad, love your fellow Jew. It's it's also about teshuva, is it not? It's also about helping. Love means helping your fellow Jews get closer to Hashem.
0: Yes. Tell me, I'm I'm not fully catching it. What's is this a question well, or a statement?
4: No, we, I'm going back to what David said, and yeah. that was. You know, when you use words like love and hate, I mean, those are anglicized words. They're carnal words. They have all kinds of different meaning. Right. And we get hung up on all the different uses of the word hate and love Mm -hmm. that you hear in everyday society and conversation and so forth. Mm -hmm. But I'm asking, really, are we really talking about a rather specific definition of love and hate in this case?
0: A good You're saying, what does it mean to love, and what does it mean to hate? Is that yeah, something?
4: yeah? In other words, to love your fellow Jew yeah. uh, is, you know, is it the love that that David had to Jonathan? Right. Or is it the love that you have to another Jew to uh, to help them be a better person, to to have to. Perform Teshuva.
0: So we to, learned to, to, previously you know, that the definition of love of your fellow Jew means first on a very physical level, you need to look out for their welfare, for the physic physically the best thing for them. If if you see that something negative is gonna be gonna to happen to them and you could help them, you should help them.
4: Well, yeah, because if you're helping the physical, then let me go on mute. No, no problem. If you're helping the physical, then you're also helping the soul.
0: But we're not even going to there. Without going to that level, we f- we, we, if we love someone, we're going to try and do the best thing for them. Yeah. Um, so it means on a very physical level we should try and help them. And then it means that we should love them, mm-hmm. truly. Have a feeling of love towards them. Both of those would be true. Um. What the definition of hate means, I think we'll learn in the next section of Tanya. Okay. Oh, right. No, like very, very soon. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can <clears throat> put this all together. <coughs> the the goal. The Tanya's. Remember, we learned that chapter 32 is the heart of Tanya. Tanya is the heart of Hasidus. <coughs> so the heart, what I'd love to be able to say of, of a Jew, is to love another. And what Tanya's pointing out here is that we, we need to love everyone. Even when the Torah says to hate, that hate, is an extremely, extremely limited scenario, which is if someone who's familiar with the Torah studies performs <laughs> a mitzvah and you rebuke them appropriately. If you haven't done that, Tanya just pointed out, you need to love that person even more. Rodeif shalom, run after peace. Mm-hmm. Someone that's in a bad scenario, you need to love them more than... You know, unfortunately, people that have children with challenges, the parents love them more. There's, there's a deeper love for that child. Someone that is going through a challenge should elicit within us an even deeper love than, some, than another. What well, we're going to learn next week, and I think this is what everyone really wants to get to, and Dr. Malov, you, you stole my thunder. I'm going to be out of a job soon. What Tani's going to share, and this is, is that even the hate we need to hate somebody is only hate their actions. But of course, and, and that's what we're going to differentiate, we need to love their being. We need to love their potential, but we need to hate their actions. So the hate we're talking about is not about hurting them. It's about not appreci- about being clear that their actions are inappropriate and we want to keep far away from them. But we love them as a being. And I think this really pushes further this point that Chabad says a Jew is a Jew is a Jew well, regardless of what a person has done the Torah commands us to love them there are times that a person has done things that we need to say that was inappropriate and I don't want to have and, and that action mm-hmm. I really need to shun yeah. mm-hmm. But
2: and shun the person
0: and, and well not publicly very
2: no 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 no, no, no. just avoid
0: there may be times that we want to try and keep away from that person. You want to love them. If, if you're in a position to help them and bring them closer, you should try and do that also. Mm-hmm. There will be one person we're going to discuss next week, which truly the Torah does say we need to keep away from them. A very specific, unique scenario. But aside from that, ninety-nine point nine 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 nine, the Torah says you need to love every single person really appreciate them, and when there are things that you need to hate, you need to hate their actions. Yeah.
1: A more accurate English term would be, re- be reproachful toward, rather than hate. Uh, and one of the uh, factors of us inheriting that kind of language by uh, Gentile translators is that in an attempt to reach uh, the average uh, believer on that side, Uh, the language was simplified because there is not the emphasis on study and learning that there is in our religion and hence in the attempt to dilute it down to the point that a Gentile could understand without studying and contemplation errors in intention took place, errors in language took place be reproachful toward from what I have learned in my studies is a much more accurate way to phrase it and yet we take uh,
0: no, no, actually we're, the, we're learning now the appropriate translation is hate.
1: Truly hate?
0: You have to hate their action,
1: yes. As opposed to being truly reproachful. Yes, action. the
0: action is something you That's need to abhor. You need, truly, you need to right. truly stay yeah. far away on from that action.
4: But on the flip side of it, in all cases, you have a word, and the word has a definition. And here we're talking about a definition of what hate means. Which is not the same definition that hate may have in other contexts. Absolutely, absolutely. So we gotta go back, you always gotta go back to the definition.